should be coming through the codec, right? Welcome into Main Street Sports State, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Maurice Patton coming to you from the Lee Company studio in Columbia. This is what happens when we shift on the fly. So, my computer is giving me issues that I don't need to be having. Not at 203. Yeah, and so I'm going to have to try and figure out what's going on, but it's a problem. We're going to figure it out, though, I guess. It's one day all over again, huh? <sighs> anyway, got a good show for you. Chris Lee's going to join us and talk about the coaching situations that Vanderbilt finds itself in. And Did you say situations? Plural? I did, plural. Okay. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. I know Candace Lee is probably uh, trying to deal with it herself. And and it's 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 not a, it's not an easy situation that they find themselves in. So we'll talk to Chris about it and see what he's uh, what what he's hearing, seeing, thinking, and much much more. 
Terry McCormick at 3 o'clock with the Titans report, as it is each and every day. And then, of course, we will also talk with Chip Walters. Middle Tennessee State had a big win and a big loss on Saturday, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. Was the loss on Saturday? The, the, the loss of Trey oh, Flewellen. Oh. <laughs> so, for the remainder of the game in season, so... Um, I thought you were talking about basketball losses. No, no the, the, they, they won the football game, lost arguably their best defensive player. Uh, also, on some middle, men's basketball, women's basketball, a couple of tough losses over the last couple of days, but also a couple of big wins in the last week. So we'll talk to Chip about all of those and more. It's also Top 5 Tuesday. Top five worst contracts in sports history. You can't imagine how we came up with this one. You can't. I bet you would never guess how we came up with this particular topic. Big but, college station. <laughs> and and uh, so, yeah, all of that is coming your way here in just a few moments. But right now, we're going to get you yesterday's results and today's schedule on the rundown. This is The Rundown. High school basketball action on Monday night. Um, <laughs> basketball season. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. Um, Franklin's girls went up to Clarksville and dropped a 65-42 decision to Rossview. The Admiral boys, however, in overtime down the Hawks, 75-69, also in boys basketball action. Lebanon fell to the Tennessee Heat, 60-44. Monday night football, the Denver Broncos. Is the honeymoon over in Buffalo? We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, Denver 24, Buffalo 22. Men's basketball action, speaking of one of those MTSU losses, the Catamounts of Western Carolina come into the glass house and get out with a 66-64 victory that was not final until Middle Tennessee State's attempt for a home run ball was intercepted late to preserve the victory for the victors. The home run ball was intercepted in the basketball game? That's it. <laughs> and, and, it. and it makes perfectly good sense. It makes perfect sense. There you go. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> women's basketball, geez, in overtime... Tennessee defeated visiting Memphis 74, I'm sorry, 84-74. Sandra Kia Jackson. Ten-point overtime decision. Mm -hmm. That's just yeah. what you drew it up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one way. Yeah, if we get them to overtime, we got them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, high school basketball doubleheaders tonight. Up at Cheatham County, it's Hume Fogg. And the hosts at 6 o'clock. All of these are at 6 Girls first, boys to follow. Donaldson Christians at Clarksville Christian. Christ Presbyterian welcomes Providence Christian. Page goes to Creekwood. Martin Luther King is at East Nashville. Fairview welcomes Santa Fe. Green Hills at Franklin. It was White, it's White House Heritage at Harpeth. Glencliff is at John Overton. Stewart County goes to Montgomery Central. Mount Juliet's at home against Ravenwood. And Murfreesboro Central welcomes White House. Shelbyville will be at Nolansville. Tullahoma will be at Oakland. Greenbrier is at Pope Prep. Riverdale hosts Summit. Rockville is at home against Eagleville. Laverne's at Siegel. Warren County is at Stewart Creek. 
Sycamore at home against Springfield. Kalioka goes to Zion. Christian Kenwood is at Trousdale County, I think. And uh, honestly, there's a lot of Kenwood and Trousdale County schedules out there, and there's none from either of those schools. So just let's assume that Kenwood and Trousdale County is playing girls at 6 o'clock, boys at 7.30, and probably a similar time for Hickman County at BGA, but we don't know that one for sure. You know what happens when you assume. That we're just going to go with it. Okay. Girls basketball, 5 o'clock, Station Camp is at Harpeth Hall at 6 o'clock. Lipscomb Academy is at Ezell Harding. Also at 6, Friendship Christian is at Franklin Road Academy. And Centennial is at Mount Pleasant in the Philip Pelkey Bowl. <clears throat> Boys basketball, 6 o'clock start, Jackson County is at Friendship Christian at 6.30. Nashville Central Christian is a good pasture. 7 o'clock, Webb School of Bell Buckle is at Montgomery Bell Academy. And at 7.30, Knowledge Academy's boys are at Ezell Harding. In men's college basketball action tonight, or this evening, 5.30 on ESPN Plus, it's Wofford. The Terriers going to the summit at Thompson Bowling Arena in Food City Center. I think it's the summit in, 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 in Thompson Bowling Arena yeah. at Food City Center. There we go. Take it on the ball. <laughs> Lips comes at Tennessee Tech, 6 o'clock tip on ESPN+. Plus. 6.30 on ESPN+. Plus. It's Barry at Belmont at 7 on ESPN+. Plus. It's Fisk and Austin P at the FNM Bank Arena. Also at 7 on ESPN+, Plus, we've got North Carolina Greensboro at Vanderbilt. Uh, women's basketball action, 5 o'clock, ESPN Plus. Austin P at Kentucky at 6 on ESPN Plus. It's Moorhead State at Lipscomb. 7 o'clock on Bally Sports South. You can see the Predators at Bridgestone Arena taking on the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. 9.30 on Bally Sports Southeast. It's the Grizzlies at the Lakers. And in Maction tonight, Toledo's at Bowling Green, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Western Michigan is at Northern Illinois at 6 o'clock on ESPNU. And at 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, it's Akron at Eastern Michigan. And that is your rundown. Top story brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly, of course, right here in Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go find those fine folks. If you're looking for delicious lunch, they've got you covered. They've got meats, vegetables, cobblers, and you can pick and choose whatever makes your heart happy. You can also get fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. That is their cost plus just 10% at the register. So... The question is, <laughs> is the honeymoon over in Buffalo? It is, is for at least four, it is for at least one person. At least one person <clears throat> is out the door. Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, fired this morning after a 24-22 loss to Denver yesterday. And Joe Brady taking over. I guess Joe you know, Brady's going to get his, his shot. But. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't know a whole lot about Ken Dorsey's coaching background. And so I don't necessarily intend to cast a lot of aspersions on him in that regard. But 
I do know a little bit more about Joe Brady's background as a play caller. Pretty good. And if he is on your staff, why is he not your OC? The fact that he was on the staff uh, and wasn't an OC is pretty impressive job by Buffalo in and of itself. Yeah, you uh, kind of, <laughs> in our business, they call that burying the lead. Yeah, you know, uh, Dorsey was the quarterback's coach for the Panthers from 13 to 17, and then he moved to Buffalo where he was the quarterback's coach for 19 and 20. Then he became passing game coordinator in 21, and in 22 was handed the role of offensive coordinator. Um, I'm not sure where Joe Brady was during that time. I don't think he was there. I don't think he... Yeah, he was in... He When he left Louis, uh, LSU, he w became the offensive coordinator for Carolina. Mm -hmm. With Matt Rule. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's where the issues with not being an OC. Yeah. And, 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 and none of that was neither Rule or Joe Brady's fault, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of issues in Carolina. But apparently the Carolina Panthers to Buffalo Bills pipeline is wide open these days. So whoever the offensive coordinator is now, Get ready. You are the next quarterback's coach for the Buffalo Bills. Congratulations. Well, it might not be a bad landing spot, all things considered. Well, here's the problem, is that when Ken Dorsey ceased being your specific quarterback's coach and you brought in a new one, the quarterback started stinking, and now you're letting that guy call plays. Well... Maybe he's a better play caller than the other quarterback coach. Maybe they should have just swapped them. Maybe they should have swapped them. I don't know. You go back to doing what you were doing. You come and do what you've been doing, and let's roll. Uh, it would have been worth a shot, probably. But, I mean, I mean, demotion probably not great <clears throat> for for Ken Dorsey, but better than getting better fired. Than... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can stay and do something else and we can continue to pay you or you can leave and, you know, since you don't have a $75 million buyout, and you can just leave. Would be curious how that works. I don't, I don't know how that works. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I just, I feel, I'm really interested in this decision because I think Ken Dorsey, for the success that he's had at, the professional level to this point, uh, I wonder if he might not be an option at one of the openings for, you know, college football. I mean, I know he played at Miami, but I mean, the, I don't know, man. I don't think, I don't think Ken Dorsey, I mean, he, he did not strike you as a good fit for Miami when he was a player at Miami. I mean, he, he's about as bland as it gets. I just don't know that he is collegiate head coaching material in 2023. No. Get this. I could be wrong. Between being quarterback's coach in Carolina and becoming quarterback's coach in Buffalo, in 2018, he was actually the assistant athletics director at FIU. 
assistant athletics director. And he left, why? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, probably money. But, I, I mean, it, seriously, think about I mean, San Diego State, Boise, and Mississippi State would be interesting places. I think, I think Dorsey, I think, you know, we talked about wanting to go offense for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a guy like Ken Dorsey. Who, and I, I don't know. Obviously, he's not been at the collegiate level as a coach. So mm-hmm. you don't know how good he is at recruiting. You don't know how, you know, what kind of staff he would bring. But I think, you know, anybody who has who has successfully been a, you know, a passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, you know, even I think he was successful as an offensive coordinator. It's not his fault that Josh Allen thinks his. It's not his fault that Josh Allen is Brett Favre and no one wants to admit it. <laughs> and he just makes bad decisions. This is a Josh Allen problem. This is not an offensive coordinator problem. Well, it's not new is the thing. I think I think he was good in spite of it previously. So I don't know. I, I feel like a college a college job might be a better fit for him unless he's willing to be a quarterback's coach in the NFL forever. I mean, I would feel like there's a lot more security in being a quarterback's coach than there is in being an OC. Yeah, but... And and I would say he'd probably agree with that this morning. But are you going to make $4 million a year being a quarterback's coach in the National Football League. Well, are you going to get paid every year being an offensive coordinator? I'm talking about coaching college football. Hmm. Now, I don't know what San Diego State and Boise are paying, but Mississippi State's going to pay you three and a half, four million a year. I just think it's an interesting thought because I just, one, I don't know. I don't know what kind of coach he would be because he's never been one. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking for a guy who who can bring some some NFL style, but also you know an offense to your team, he would be one. I'll be curious to see where he ends up. I don't think that this was. I think if you were going to fire somebody, this is not the guy to fire. I don't. I don't think this was. This was. Well, you a, weren't going to fire the head coach. Well, this was. You weren't going to fire the quarterback. Why? I, I mean, I get it. You're right, but why? Why weren't you going to fire the quarterback? I mean, I understand why, but if yes. I mean, if you think somebody's got to get fired, I don't know that. I mean. I don't think anybody needs to be fired in this kind of situation. You just have to understand that, you know, your quarterback's got to get better. Well, and I think, I don't think you're wrong that it might have been a situation where no one should have been fired. But once they decided someone was going to be fired, your, your options were a little limited. Yeah, it was either Dorsey or Joe Brady. But I don't I, I don't know that I understand this this thought process. Though we got to fire somebody, somebody's got to go. You know, 
I was having a brief conversation with someone who I did not know when I was sitting having some lemonade the other evening after the UT Missouri game and frustrated UT fan. <laughs> which almost sounds redundant, I know. But but saying, you know, Joe Milton's gotta go. And I, I say that to say this. Everybody in every bad situation wants a scapegoat. Right. And sometimes it's just a stuff happens situation. Everything isn't somebody's fault. Which comes back to your maybe no one needed to be fired in Buffalo. Maybe you just need to kind of go back to the drawing board, figure some things out, make some adjustments, and go forward. Get, get, get everybody in a room and what, say... What are we doing wrong? Yeah. What, what changed? Because clearly, I mean, it's inarguable that things aren't going well with Buffalo offensively. You know, whether it's execution on Josh Allen's part, maybe it's whether it's play calling on... Maybe it's poor Dorsey's play design. Part, you know, but... But he was the passing game coordinator. And so if it's play design, it ain't on him. He's been designing plays for Josh Allen while he was good. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I, but you're exactly right. In every bad situation, everybody wants a scapegoat. And sometimes it's nobody's fault. But here we are. Ken Dorsey finds himself without a job today. I have a feeling he will land on his feet somewhere. We'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, Chris Lee joins us to talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores and their situation. So stick around. Main Street Sports Days presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Back into Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton here on this Top Five Tuesday again. Top Five Worst Contracts in Sports History coming up later in the show. Should be fun. Uh, perhaps on the the list, maybe two of the contracts we're about to talk about with Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 joining us as. Vanderbilt is on the struggle bus a little bit. And we're, I'm, I'm curious, Chris, how this is going to play out over the next few years. But first, welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, conversation that none of us wants to have. But which of the situations are the bigger concern on West End right now, football or basketball? Basketball. Uh, it depends on the day and who's lost last. <laughs> There's been a lot of that going around. Um, I, honestly, I think it's football, and, and this is why. Um, and I'm going to go a long way around to get back to something. Mm -hmm. um, five years ago, Tennessee fans laughed at Vanderbilt fans for caring about baseball. If, if this year both teams go to Omaha, who do you think is going to take the bigger fan base to Omaha? Hmm. I would think that's a hell of a question for one thing. I think Vanderbilt because they're more invested. I, I think it's Tennessee. Do I, I do. Think I think they take more to Hoover. I think they take more to Omaha. Um, well, they have more to choose from. Yeah. They, they have <laughs> yes. More. And, why, and this is where I, what I'm getting at. Why, okay. why does Tennessee, if, if I'm right, why does Tennessee have a bigger fan base? It all goes back to football. They, they have had decades of success. They're a, I don't know if they're a blue blood program, but they're a, a great, proud program that's won national titles and all things, and, and Vanderbilt is what it is. And here's what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. 
your football fan base basically determines your altitude for everything. When your product is awful and nobody wants to go it, you have no fans, which is almost what they have right now. It is affecting things in Memorial Gymnasium. I, again, I, I think it affects their altitude with how many fans they can get because it used to be you would have people that would maybe cheer for Tennessee football and, and then cheer for, for Vanderbilt baseball. And when, when those guys are forced to make a choice, they're, they're not going to go <laughs> – all right, if they're gonna if they're gonna pick a side, they're not gonna side with the one that's Vanderbilt football. I don't think. I think they're gonna. Okay, now we got a good baseball team. I'll go cheer for these guys. I think football is it's the one that drives the TV contracts. It's the one that drives the cash for everything. It's the one that gets the biggest check for coaches. Uh, football is always king, even in a place like Vanderbilt. And so I think, look, basketball historically that is their proudest program, and and boy, they're on some hard times there too. Uh, but I think when football gets this bad, and I mean, they guys, I don't think they've had 10,000 of their own fans in their own stadium for an SEC game this year. Now they have, they've had 10,000 of other people's fans, but I think when football gets this bad, it causes you problems everywhere. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, which one do you think is closer to? turn in a corner? Um, the, the right answer is neither. If I had to pick one, it's basketball because they, they at least got to the NIT the last two years. Football, they're not going to win in Knoxville in a couple of weekends. And that schedule next year, I don't have it in front of me, but it's brutal. Texas is on there. I think they pick up SMU and Virginia Tech out of conference. Um, they're, they're staring at a one-to-two win season again next year. I mean, in, in basketball, we, we saw them last year. I don't think this team is as good this year as last year, but Jerry Stackhouse has uh, done some stuff in February most years that people didn't see coming. So I, I think uh, by process of elimination that it can't be football, it has to be basketball, plus, plus some history, uh, that, that would be my answer. Jerry Stackhouse has done some things in February. Jerry Stackhouse has also done some things in November. Chris, <laughs> what is up? We're not doing some things in November. Um, he, he's and, and and you see the same stubbornness that, that he's pulled every year. Um, you see a coach that still refers to it, or I think it has the preseason. He looks at it like like an NBA team, I guess, with 80-something games to, to play with in an exhibition season, trying to get his rotation right and everything. And he, he swore he wasn't going to do it again this year. Now, look, he had a little bit of an excuse with with three key players out, two of whom are starters. And I think those guys will be out again tonight, which is probably a reason why the line went from three-and-a-half to one-and-a-half tonight, I believe, last I checked. So... I don't know. I, I see a guy that, that's inflexible. I mean, you can say, well, he's missing those guys, and he had to play some guys. That's true. Um, you know, he also left Ezra Magnon on the bench for the final 16-04 the first half of the night. You know, he comes in in the second half. He's the only guy that can do anything, and if they play him the whole game, I think maybe they beat Presbyterian, but they didn't. Um, I just think there's some pig-headedness that, that he doesn't seem to get out of his system till later in the year that, that looks like it's going to bite him again this year. How many times can he get away with it? 
I don't know. A lot of people think it's either NCAA tournament or bust for him this year. So we'll see. You know, and that's that's the interesting. I mean, obviously, considering that he just got an extension, and and you know, how much of how much of the the construction and all the money going into the the facilities is you know is kind of tied to that. I mean, obviously, you have to have success because you got to pay for those things, but also you need stability in, in yeah. your programs to, you know, especially at a place like Vanderbilt. So it, it really feels like a very difficult um, thing to manage if you're Candace Lee. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, I mean, maybe it makes the job, if you make a change this off season more attractive for the next guy, because this time next year the basketball facility will be done. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know that changes anything. I mean, if, if he goes, if he doesn't make the NCA for the fifth straight year this year, I think he's, you know, probably going to meet the same fate facilities or no facilities. I mean, fans expect them to win there in basketball. Um, you know, even when football's been awful, they've had good basketball programs. Now, the rest of the league's gotten a lot better, and it takes a lot more seriously, but I don't know that that part changes much. Has Vanderbilt ever missed NCAA's five years in a row? Yeah. Um, you know, some of that was back when the tournament was 16 teams or whatever, or mm-hmm. eight, you know, a lot. But if you go to the 64 team era, which started when, Mo? Late 80s, early 90s? Mm-hmm. Late 80s, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, they had that stretch in the 90s under Van Bredekoff. I think they got, they got there once. Um, they had to stretch under Stallings where they should have gone the first year, didn't. And I think his fourth or fifth year they went. And, and then from that point on, they were there a lot. But they haven't been since Bryce Drew's middle year of his three. Um, and so that's one year after that, four years in between. So this would be six years in a row they've missed it if they miss it. Missed it six and, and and they I don't know that they have missed it six years in a row in this in this sixty four to sixty eight era. I'd have to look it up, but it from if not, it's close. From ninety seven to oh three oh four, the ninety seven yeah. ninety eight season, Jeff uh, Van Bridicloth and the first four years of the Stallings era did not go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And and they should have been Kevin's first year. The committee just goofed with the selection. They should have been an eight or nine seed and just weren't. I think Arkansas won the um, won the SEC tournament. Expectedly wasn't in. The committee had to scramble to to make room, and and they got the yeah. they got the short end. But that that was clearly a, an eight or nine resume. But that's that's the only other time that I can find a a, a time, you know. <laughs> A length of time that far, or that yeah. long. Meanwhile, I felt like Clark Lee was as close to a home run hire as Vanderbilt could make from the standpoint that he is a former Vanderbilt player and that he would be able to relate to the Vanderbilt playing experience unlike anybody else and be able to go into homes and convey that to kids and parents. If he can't get it right, Chris, who can? 
That, that's a good and Look, here's the, here's the bigger question against the backdrop of what you guys are asking me. Um, I've, I've done the, the loose math in my head. The last time they made a good hire in the four major sports, if you include women's basketball, in the, and it was about 2010 when they hired James Franklin. So it, it's not just that. It's it's the who do you replace him with. And, and the other thing, and look, I think Clark is – I don't think he did a good job this year. I think you'll see some changes. I have some questions uh, that, that will coaching changes and coordinator changes and whatever's coming next change all of it. Now, I, th- I think some things with Clark Lee will have to change too. But here's the crazy thing, guys. You know, for, for decades everybody's been screaming – facilities 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 i don't i think those will help and it'll help morale but the the game changed literally between the time they drew up the plans and broke the ground the whole game changed with nil they got caught flat-footed with that i think even if facilities were done today i think you could make the case that the way they were unprepared with everything else um that that it's a tougher job than it's ever been because the SEC is so competitive, you've got a school that you play in your league sometimes that just paid $77 million just to just to clear the deck to get a new guy. It's like buying a PSL for the Titans. You, you haven't even paid a penny on your tickets, and you got to buy the PSL first, mm-hmm. and a real expensive PSL of that. I, I've always thought that Vanderbilt were creative that that's not even the word you don't have to be creative everybody knows what the game is i think we all believe kids have been getting money for decades um it was almost impossible for the ncaa to catch anybody if you want to play by the rules um you're at a disadvantage and i I thought with all the resources at vanderbilt done right nil should level the playing field for them and instead they got caught unprepared for it and and here they are where it feels like the gap is as big as it's ever been that being said i mean can't can vanderbilt compete on that side of the football landscape i mean obviously you've got guys like you know like ray davis just leaving i yeah. mean if, if they're they're basically a farm team for everyone else at this point uh, just like many group of five teams have found themselves in so h- how do, how does Vanderbilt compete I mean do they have the ability to do it in the NIL era oh yeah see this is this is the crazy thing there's a dorm that they just built within the last few years that almost casts a shadow on their football stadium I think the whole thing cost about a billion dollars. Uh-huh. Uh, they've got they've got mega donors at their disposal that that will call and, and write eight figure checks, no sweat off their brow. That points to the ability to raise money. Now you got to make the compelling case. I think it's a lot easier to call somebody and say, "Hey, will you write a, a fifty million dollar check for for this, and we'll put your name on it." That appeals to people's ego when you're when you're writing a, a check and you're nameless and faceless, and it's nil. And I don't think people can get their heads around paying kids yet. Now, now we 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 can get our heads around paying Jimbo Fisher seventy seven million dollars to go away. Uh, we can't get our heads around paying a a kid 
10 grand to, to come play football when they're the ones that are raising the revenue. Uh, so I, I think you got an adjustment in thinking, especially a place like Vanderbilt. But I, I just point to that dorm and say, yeah, I mean, they, somebody told me they've got about 30 mega donors over there that they just count on for everything. And I, I don't think it would take much to ask one guy to say, hey, look, you can revolutionize our football program with one check if you're Overnight. willing to do it. Now, the problem is people that have that kind of money want to see it as an investment. When you make a brick and mortar thing, you know exactly what you're getting. You know exactly what it's going to look like. I think when your football coach is losing a lot of games, people are going, wait, am I just throwing good money after bad if we're not winning here? And that's the situation they're in. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. <clears throat> Excuse me. Chris, not to continue to throw shade at the Vanderbilt administration, but about this time last year, a contract extension was announced for Jerry Stackhouse. During the SEC football media days, a contract extension was announced for Clark Lee. Does that make this situation even worse? Uh, allegedly not. Allegedly didn't change a whole lot with buyouts and stuff. I, I think you know it's been said. I, I guess it's more I mean from, more from an appearance standpoint. Well, yeah, I mean, trust me, I you you hear fans griping about that. Now the 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 justification was, um. You know, help out in recruiting, help a coach because it's hard to recruit if if recruits think you're a lame duck coach. So I, I get it. If it didn't really, if if it doesn't make it any harder, if, if what has been out there circulated, I'm sure that's coming from people at Vandy trying to defend themselves in case this goes wrong. But but it also may not be wrong either. I, I think if it doesn't make it harder to separate from a coach. If it goes wrong, I've got no problem with it. Does it give fans one more thing to gripe about in the meantime? Sure. Mm -hmm. if, if you can write a check at the end of the season, make it all go away, nobody's going to care. Hmm. And, and you're right. I mean, no, it's, this is such a, a, a weird situation for a weird time in the world of college athletics, you know, does Vanderbilt just, I mean, they're obviously they're not going anywhere. They get plenty of money from the SEC. But, you know, are they hoping that whatever happens in, in, in Congress, you know, helps level the playing field for them? Or I don't, it just seems like a really weird situation for everybody involved. And I just don't know how Vanderbilt long-term competes in the Southeastern Conference. Um, I think, of, you know, oh, yeah, at this point, no, I, I think, I think your, your question's a good one because I think there was some hope placed there. And I think if there's one body that you should trust less to solve a problem than the NCA, it's Congress. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why you, why you would ever think that way? I, I don't them. know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look. At the end of the day, I think it is it has finally dawned on them over the last summer that hey, and, and Tyre Lawrence might have been the that match that lit the fuse maybe, and they did get him back with some money. I think some NIL started rolling in with that one. 
so I, I think they have come to realize, and, and I put part of this on Clark Lee. Um, if the university is hiring a professor for their law school, and, and they say, "Hey, you you can go to Georgetown, and we want, but we want you to come here for a tenth of the money because we're Vanderbilt." Um, and, and, you know, you're not, you're not part of us yet, but, but come by in and take pride. Well, you know, the law school's got a decidedly better track record than the football team, and it's not going to fly there. So it's not going to fly in football. Um, I think that realization has finally dawned on them. I, I do think that they've had some pretty significant success of late raising money for NIL. It's not anywhere near, uh, where everybody else is, but I bet it's, probably five to ten times what they had last year. So, I mean, there's at least that. There's some progress. There's some – and I've heard a figure, but I think I got that in confidence. I don't really want to share it here. But it was it was a lot more significant than, than what they've had. Now, again, they still got strides to make, and even if their money was, say, on par with Ole Miss's or whatever, for the same money you look at Ole Miss, if you're a football player, you're probably thinking <laughs> maybe less schoolwork, better chance at winning games. So – um, you know, it, it only levels the playing field at best, and, and probably not if we're being realistic about it. But um, th- that's a long way of answering. I, I think that they're shifting, th- their thinking has shifted some, but it's taken them so long to get here, and now the product is so bad, uh, the appeal for that, I think, is a lot harder. Chris Lee, Southeastern 14 here on Main Street Sports. Said, Chris, thanks for taking time and, and, and trying to hash out the situation on West End because, you know, obviously we, you know, we would love for Vanderbilt to be successful in, in all yeah. things. It, it makes Middle Tennessee a more vibrant place in, in the world of sports. And so, you know, any any team in Middle Tennessee we would like to see succeed. So, and and people as good as Clark Lee deserve to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully things can, can get to a, a point where Vanderbilt is prepared to let them succeed. Until well, then, and and their fans have been through it a lot too, and and that's a bunch that you you would. God, God knows if a fan base deserves something good at this point, it's the ones that have hung on over there. Yeah, no, no doubt. Question. No doubt, Chris, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, man. All right, we're gonna take a break when we come back. Some baseball, plenty of baseball news in November. November. Mm-hmm. So stick around, Main Street Sports Day. Back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. 
Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yell, Mo Patton on this Top 5 Tuesday. We are coming to you live from the Lee Company studio talking a little bit of baseball because yesterday there was a tweet, and I'm not even going to call it a report because it was just a tweet. Uh, per Ken Rosenthal, maybe. But he was repeating it. Well, everybody was repeating it, I guess. Well, I don't know who. I don't know who. I don't know who started. Originally. I don't know who originally started this. That that Shohei Otani was intrigued by the idea of playing intrigued. for the, the Atlanta Braves. So am I. Well, <laughs> but there are Twitter personalities in the baseball world who. You know, think that that's ridiculous for a reporter to be putting out there or whatever. Because obviously, agents, teams, GMs, players are not going to say anything until there's a deal signed, you know, definitively. Mm -hmm. So what else are they supposed to do, <clears throat> reporters, I mean? You're supposed to wait until something is concrete and then write it. Meanwhile, everybody's like, well, why aren't you writing anything? Yeah, so it's it's ridiculous. So anyway, this is put out there, and, and I think my thought process on this is this is news, not necessarily for the Braves specifically, but for any team east of the Mississippi, knowing that Shohei Otani might have an interest of coming east. East of the Pacific time zone. Right. So I think that's a big deal. And well, I mean, he has said oh, the thought process has been attributed to him that he wants to play for a contender. Ain't a whole lot of them on the West Coast. Outside of the Dodgers, that's about it. I mean, everybody else has been middle in. Just like a bad fastball. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of 
it, it makes you think. You know, obviously, I don't think Shohei Otani works for the Atlanta Braves. I don't think he doesn't work. But would you punt on a 23-year rotation arm to add his bat? Because, look, you can't give him the this, this six-, seven-, eight-year deal that everybody thinks he's going to get. You can't give him that because you don't know if he can pitch. And And I think that's where he and his representatives have to look hard at Maybe signing a short-term deal. A prove-it deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a two-year deal where he can throw the second year, and then he can go back out and get his money. With a three-year maybe player option. And, you know, I, I, but I'm not sure that I would, I don't know if I'm the Braves again. We've talked about how many arms the Braves do have that they could potentially, you know. They pieced. To together, together, two rotation spots and won 104 games this past year. Right. And so you add Shohei Otani to that offense and... And keep piecing together two rotation spots. I mean... I feel like I, maybe... I think when there is some time and space between this 2023 season, folks are going to look back at what Atlanta did on the bump and be, and be amazed. Yeah, and be absolutely just astounded that it was possible. I mean, you had Spencer Strider, you had Charlie, Charlie Morton. Morton, and that was it. That was it. Because Freed was hurt most of the year. Elder, was, Elder gave you the... Elder was an all-star. Right, he, the first... <laughs> but he, he, was the, he was the glue of that rotation for the, the first, first half. four months. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... They started, what, 16 guys? 17. 17 guys yeah, got started. starting 17, yep. And they won 104 games. So, long answer short, yes, I would punt on a rotation <laughs> arm to get Shohei Altani for a short period of time. Because if he is able to come back and pitch, and you won with him, why is he going to leave? Exactly. I mean, and if it works, he is able to pitch. Maybe you don't have to go get a top-of-the-rotation guy in 2024 because you've got Otani and Strider. Well, 2025. 25, sorry, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do, because Max Freed is not coming back. No, I understand that, but I absolutely think that Strider is an ace. He's a top-of-the-rotation guy. I, I mean... Shohei Otani proved to be a top-of-the-rotation kind of guy last year. Now, if he can be that out off of Tommy John again, remains to be seen. Well, and also, he was a top-of-the-rotation guy for, for the Angels. But he was still pitching against the regular people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like he was pitching against the Angels. <laughs> Sands himself. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. there's, yeah. there's that. I, I think you could, you, know, you could go get another Charlie Morton to solidify that 2-3 role and you know and you hope that some of these young guys solidify themselves for the back end mm-hmm. somebody of the six people we have has got to be good enough to be four and five is it just six <laughs> no <laughs> I, I mean Ian Anderson is in there somewhere Ian too. Anderson Waldrop Elder 
Smith Shaver, uh, not the two guys Schuster, Vines, Darius Vines, Winans. <laughs> Keep going. Mm-hmm. It's like it's at least eight or nine. Some of those, one or two of those are going to pan out. One which, or two of them are going to be starters. Which is why you were able to win 104 games by spotting those guys in and out and them turning in one direction to go to well, Gwinnett or turning in the other to come to Truist. That and Yanni Chirinos having an 800 winning percentage with a 6-5 ERA. <laughs> Because we scored 42 runs in his five stars. Right, right. There you go. <laughs> but again, with Shohei Otani, that 42 comes maybe 50. Giving you even more room for error. Here's another name to keep in mind. Maybe not as a 4 or 5, maybe more out of a bullpen. Waskar. I think Noah is w- close. Waskar and Noah is a bullpen guy. I think we mentioned that the other day. I think I think we were off the air when we talked. He is about a it. yeah, he he is a he's a two pitch guy. 6 or 7 inning. You know, that's his 6th and 7th innings are and then you've got guys like Mentor who needs a long-term extension to Matzik some degree. Should be back next year. Matic will be back. Uh, we've got Iggy for at least one more year. Probably longer. I'm telling you, the Braves pitching getting any better should be the scariest thing on earth. And what should be even scarier is the proposition of perhaps Aaron Nola signing. Would you rather have, again, Nola or Otani? Think about AAV. Think about you know what else you could add potentially. Because here's the thing: you got to get rid of of Ozuna if Otani comes in. Yeah, because Otani can't do anything about DH. Ozuna is useless to you. Yeah, forty home runs, useless. You're right. right. Sorry. But yeah, but I mean. <laughs> The way they're constructed, if you bring in an Otani, he's going to DH. That's all he's going to do because of the elbow. So, and you've already got a DH. You already got one. Makes it interesting. Certainly does. it's, It's tough. It's tough to think about a Shohei Otani and say, nah, we don't need that. (laughs) We're good. We're good. We got Marcelo Zona. And yet... You got Marcelo Zuna. Which Marcelo Zuna do you have, though? Do you have the May through the end of the year Ozuna? Or, I mean, did he turn a corner, or do we come back next April well, waiting for him to go to Miami again? It's probably the same thing that, that we got, you know, out of 2020. Then we got crappy Ozuna again. He heats up and then goes on the, the, the two- or three-month tear. You know, I'd rather have consistent six or seven months than I would rather have, you know, what we got out of him for three months. Before we get out of here, the final four for the 2025 All-Star Game have been announced. Atlanta, Toronto, Baltimore, and Chicago. 
Atlanta, Toronto, Baltimore, and Chicago. Chicago. It just said Chicago. Oh. I assume the Cubs, considering there's two American League and one National League. I would assume Wrigley Field. But which one has hosted it what? the least recently? It's got to be Atlanta. It's 23 years ago. It doesn't got to be, but okay. I mean, I don't know when Toronto's hosted it. I don't but either. That's, but, uh, but that being said... But we do know that Atlanta was supposed to host right. it and lost it. And I don't know how Atlanta fans would react to getting the All-Star game. You couldn't have another big fanfare. You just have to announce it in a press release and go on about your business. You, you couldn't do it like you did last time because I was actually there the day they announced the All-Star Game. Had no idea what was happening. They put up this, they, they, you know, right there in the battery, they, they put up this big press conference thing, and I'm like, what in the heck's going on? And then Rob Manfred steps up there. I was like, what in the world? Then they announced that they had the All-Star Game, and I was like, wow, that was wild. I didn't realize that was happening. <laughs> who, who knew? So, so you couldn't do that again because Manfred would get... Roasted. Yeah, it'd be bad. Toronto last hosted in 91, by the way. Wow. So well, That's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Let's take a break. Mm -hmm. When we come back, Terry McCormick is ready with your Titans daily report. Stick around. <laughs> Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. to Main Street Sports today, Zen Sports Titan Insider Daily Report coming to you from Terry McCormick. Terry, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. It is your Zen Sports Daily Titans Report here. It's powered by Zen Sports, changing the betting game for the better. Guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about special teams, and I know that uh, you know, the Titans special teams units, especially the kicker and the punter, have been pretty good. But just got I want to go down a different path. I want to talk about something that kind of happened on Sunday in the game. Uh, the Titans were shorthanded at cornerback. 
because Sean Murphy Bunning was not available. And they decided to move Roger McCreary outside from his nickelback position and go with Eric Guerra inside at the nickel rather than doing what they had would previously have done by putting Trey Avery on the outside and leaving McCreary there, uh, you know, in his nickel spot where he's been really good. And I think that kind of goes back to a little bit of the philosophy that the Titans have regarding special teams. And I think that's that prop that philosophy, hear me out, is a little bit maybe flawed or misguided. Because you know, it always comes down in training camp when they talk about the last four or five guys as well. It's how good a special teams player this guy is. You know, can this guy cover punts? Can this guy, you know, cover kickoffs? Can he bring something to the table on special teams? Because that's what he's probably going to be doing. But when you start to accumulate all the injuries that these get, that the Titans have had over the last few years, if there's a, if there's a, an advantage if the guy's a better cover guy, if he can give me something on offense or defense rather than special teams, I'm keeping him. I can teach him to come. I'm expecting my special teams coach to teach him to go down and cover a punt. If he's a good cover corner, if he's decent and can fill in and I don't have any qualms about putting him out there, then to me that's a plus regardless of how well he blocks and, you know, punt return. To me, I mean, I just, you know, I just think that this Titans team has too many guys right now, like Trey Avery, that they're afraid to put out there in competitive situations other than on special teams. What do you guys think? If you've got guys that you're afraid to put on the field, you probably shouldn't have them. Well, absolutely. Yes, but also, I mean, the Titans are kind of in this this situation where they have to have them um, because otherwise you don't have fifty three people. <laughs> I mean that's seriously. But you're right. I mean there are there are probably a double handful of guys who likely would never see the field even on special teams that are on the active roster every week. It doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, which, which is, I mean, I, I realize that special teams can, can make game changing plays. We saw that last night in the Broncos bills games with the, the missed field goal, the 12 minute on the field, that whole debacle, but which is, which is more important in a situation where there's an injury, a cornerback who can come in and play 45 snaps at corner and do a competent job or a guy who can play 12 special team snaps. Give me the guy that can play four five snaps if you can find him. Ain't no doubt. Because he can probably give you something on special teams if necessary. Exactly. And I think that that is one of the symptoms of where the Titans are. They just don't have enough quality depth to be able to withstand any starter being out. I mean, the offensive line, we already know what kind of shambles it's in. They don't even have five starters, much less any depth. There's no depth in the secondary. And, you know, the inside linebackers are a little bit lacking, too, if you want to know the truth about it. Al Shire has played pretty well at times, but they really need somebody more athletic than Jack Gibbons, in my opinion, at that other inside linebacker spot. And Monty Rice is not the guy that's even pushing him. So, to me, 
you know, it goes back to the drafting again. It goes back to, you know, what we've been talking about with this Titans team. They just don't have enough quality players on that 53-man roster to be able to compete. And so, to my way of thinking, the rest of this season, you know you're not going to the playoffs, barring a miracle of winning eight in a row to close the season. You're not going to the playoffs. Lost so, eight in a row last year. Who knows? Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, if that's the case, and it is, then I think the last eight games are not only about, you know, developing Will Levis. It's about finding what pieces can be part of this team going forward in 2024 and can help this team rebuild as quickly as possible. And quite honestly, I don't see them on either side of the ball. Maybe this is just karma for firing the equipment manager last year that had been there for like 40 years. Noska? Yeah. yeah. Hoss. Is this, uh, is this karma? This is karma. Could be. Could be. You never know. <laughs> or it could just be bad drafting. It, 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 could, it could just be poor, yeah, poor GMing. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, Terry, it's, it's going to be a long week to Sunday. But... We will talk with you tomorrow. Tell us about Zen Sports. All right. Let's talk about Zen Sports. You've been hearing me talk about Zen Sports, the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months. I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to $1,000. No danger, first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies you for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, no. I, like, apologies in advance. It sounds like... SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. 
got that radio voice. I do. It's a good sound. Yeah, it's the radio, too. <laughs> As do we. <laughs> and then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. so And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach? Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you're on Main Street and you are moving... You gotta love it. Like you're moving... I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad like, someone... Okay. Back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao and Mo Patton here on this Top 5 Tuesday. Looking forward to the rest of this show. Again, we'll talk college football playoffs here in just a moment, and of course we'll count down or draft the Top 5 Worst Contracts in Sports History. It's going to be fun. I got, I, got a, I got a whole book full list over here. I got a, you're, you're off for whatever reason. I think you muted yourself. Just tap that bottom and come back to this. There you go. Don't do that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I'm deaf. <laughs> but uh, a book. I've got eight. So if you and Justin uh, take four of mine, then I'm you're in, in trouble. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Let's see here. I got more than that. I've got eight is four, six, nine. <laughs> But I have other options. Anyway, all that coming up, you're gonna you're gonna want to stick around for it. Mm-hmm. But right now, we need to talk about the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State, and we do that with the voice of said Blue Raiders with his nice navy vest on today. It's the the day of navy vests. Mo, you didn't get the memo. We I apologize. Did not get the memo. That's okay. I'll, I'll give you. I will give you a piece of advice. This- this is a, just a little piece of life advice. If you have as much gray hair as I do, uh, it's not a good idea to wear black the day you go get a haircut. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> haircut day was yesterday, and I wore black. So bad, bad move, huh? You can just see it everywhere. Live and learn. That's correct. Live. Yep, live and learn. Yes. So, um. As Chris mentioned earlier in the show, win some, lose some. Middle 40, Florida International 6, but it came at a cost. Uh, did. Um, lose, uh, you lose uh, Trey Fluellen uh, for, the, for the remainder of the season. Uh, and kind of crazy, within a 48-hour period, you lose Cam Weston uh, to an ACL in basketball. And less than 48 hours later, uh, you lose uh, Trey Fluellen uh, uh, with the uh, a similar injury, but uh, you know the one thing that that Middle has been, if nothing, in the secondary, they've been versatile, and they've been able to move people around, move people up. Uh, Deontay Stanley, uh, you know, moved up this week and played well. Uh, uh, Marve Myers played well, uh, and plus the usual suspects back there and uh, and so you know the 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 good part is uh the good news is you you got it all together uh whether it was uh offense defense special teams and as coach stock likes to talk about a lot the ability to play complementary football and how one thing led to another uh 
for instance, uh, you know, you, you uh, special teams play where you down a punt at the two-yard line. Uh, two plays later, you have a sack in the end zone for uh, a safety. So you're, you're, you're playing complimentary football there. Uh, defense, or you get another good special team play on a punt. Uh, FAU or FIU backed up a little bit. Uh, defense puts pressure on, forces a fumble, uh, picked up. And we had a thick six, Mo, uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, and, uh, so you had a defense, you had the defense ended up scoring eight points in the ball game. And, uh, you know, you had all of that going on. And, you know, the, the, uh, you had the, that's your good news. The, the downside is, is the, you know, the, the naysayers love to say, well, where's that been all year? You know, uh, I mean, you've had great days on offense. Middle scored 30 plus in four out of their last five. Um, and, and one, and, and only have two wins to show, uh, in that span of time. So, you know, that's where the defense, needed to pick up well they did last two weeks they've given up a total of uh of uh, what uh, 13 to they've given up 19 points in two weeks so nine and a half points per game over the last couple of weeks so you got a little momentum going a chance to to uh, finish out the home season on senior day 13 guys going through senior day and that'll be saturday against utep who uh, loves to run the football and, and middle has been outside of the Liberty game has been pretty decent against the run. And uh, then you'll go Thanksgiving weekend down to Sam Houston, who's now gotten a couple of wins, which glad to see that. Uh, didn't want to go into that last week with them needing to do whatever they needed to do to get one win on the year. So I'm glad they've gotten a couple. Yeah, they've got a chance to do some damage. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they could actually keep Western from being bowl eligible, <laughs> which would be something, wouldn't it? Western could potentially be out of a bowl if, if they lose to Sam Houston. So that would be interesting. Wow. I didn't realize that. But, uh, well, and you, I, don't, I don't know that. I, don't know I did not know that. Eligibility. Yeah. yeah. It may keep them from, if there are more than enough teams being selected for a bowl. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. You know, I think one of the things that's really interesting this year, you know, with the, the comings and goings that we had in the league, and and you get, you know, you get a lot of the, the keyboard cowboys, oh, well, it's, a, you know, it's just a watered-down league, blah, 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 blah. Well, uh, two of your new members are playing in the conference championship game, and, and I, I mean, in a big tip of the hat to New Mexico State for what they've done. Uh, Jerry Kill has just done a great job uh, with them, and they are totally workmanlike. There is there's there's nothing flashy about what they do, uh, except for having a quarterback that can really operate back there and run around and do some things, and uh, and really kind of really happy for them. Well, what's wild is if Jacksonville State were eligible, right, they could be playing for a spot in the Conference USA Championship game in that that final week against New Mexico State. And, boy, wouldn't that have been fun. That would have been fun. It would have been uh, shades of, what, 2019 when Middle and UAB yeah. uh, played the final week of the regular season then came back the very next week and played each other in the championship game. Uh, so, yeah, it is. 
that that you know all, all of the newcomers uh sans sam houston have had outstanding years and and as we're seeing now sam houston this second half of the year they they've started to figure it out a little bit at the fbs level now and gotten used to the speed there and all of that so it has been a really uh fun and entertaining year and maybe part of that is because of the midweek schedule. You know, we've had the opportunity to see more games that have been uh, out there on a platform by themselves. Uh, I was talking to A.J. Ricketts, the guy who does the uh, the play-by-play for FIU last week before the game, and and you know he he brought up some numbers that that I didn't didn't really know about. He said that every one of the midweek games. Uh, this year on whether it's on one of the ESPNs or CBS was drawing somewhere in the neighborhood of 300,000, which is uh, about two or three times uh, what uh, they will draw on a streaming platform. So, uh, or even more than that of what they would draw on a streaming platform, but it was two or three times more what they would draw on either one of those channels on a Saturday with all the other competition. So, so the the numbers are there to show that what they've done in the midweek, uh, you know, has has uh, has certainly been successful. Now, as far as getting the schedule right, um, you know, that will be determined over things. I think all of the, you know, the coaches are going to go in there with uh, torches and pitchforks, trying to you know get the things spread out a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's it's not fair that IU goes into October, open date, Wednesday, 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 open date, while middle goes Saturday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, open date, open date. I mean, there's got to be a way around that to where everybody ends up getting the same amount of rest uh, and and you're, and you're not just, you know, putting any, any teams in, uh, in a, in a position like that to where, uh, you're putting players in harm's way. That's, I would agree. Yeah, that's definitely something that the league office is going to have to take a look at or, yeah, or, or here come the pitchforks. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have to have some, instead of playing, you know, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. It's going to have to be even if it is you, even if there is a Thursday, Wednesday. The next one's got to be Thursday or Friday. You can't or 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 at least Wednesday. I mean, or, because yeah, I mean, or, yeah. I mean, you uh, can't do six it, days every every week. That's insane. Right, and, and you had you had a five day, you had five day, six day, six day, seven day. That's what that's what middles ended up being and you know and then getting uh, you know two weeks off sounds great until except that it's not really right I mean, it's yeah you'd rather and, have that and, 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 and as we love to say and yeah you'd love to have that open week before like because it all started with middle and western right and you would like to have that week open then start your four week clock after that and have a regular week of, which would be basically a 10 day uh uh, they call the semi open dates or semi bye weeks in the NFL like that. So 
it, it, you know, I think there's some work to be done there, uh, you know, but from the, from the uh, standpoint of the league getting more, uh, you know, getting their brand out there and, and showing their brand of football, they, they certainly, it's certainly been successful in that. Kip Walter, the voice of the Blue Raiders, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chip, um, you got a chance to do a little work indoors as well with the basketball <laughs> team. Um, tough one the other night against Western Carolina. Boy, uh, let me tell you, Western Carolina last night, really good. Uh, uh, they have a kid named, I think his name is Octavius Woolbright. Uh, uh, he uh, wears number two uh, for Western Carolina, and you know, going into this into this non-conference schedule, looking at the early part of it, uh, you had uh, Northern Kentucky, who was picked to win the Horizon League. Middle led by 27 in that ball game, won by 17. Came back on Thursday of last week and took on Stephen F. Austin, who was picked number two in the WAC as part of the WAC Conference USA Challenge, which I think that's going to be very successful, by the way, uh, all across the, both of those leagues. Uh, that turned into a rock fight, and uh, which was totally expected, uh, having played them the last two years. And Middle ends up winning that one in overtime by three, or by five, rather, in overtime. And then you, ha uh, you come into practice on – Saturday morning to get ready for, uh, you know, you know that that uh, Western Carolina is going to be pretty good. And by the time you get done with practice and get ready to go to the football game, you look and, oh, my goodness, they have beaten Notre Dame in South Bend by 10. And, uh, and the Woolbright kid I mentioned had 22 and 11 against, uh, against Notre Dame and followed that up last night with 20 and 12 against Middle. Really good basketball game last night. Uh, I mean, very entertaining. Two really good teams. Um, Middle did a couple of things uh, that was their undoing. Number one, 13 of 25 at the free throw line. Uh, if they hit their, if they were at their normal 70% at the free throw line, they they win probably 70. 367, something like that, but they didn't do that. And also, I think they were caught a little bit from a player standpoint. Uh, a couple of the players looking over their shoulder, wondering where Cam Weston was. But, uh, and, you know, and I think took some shots that they don't take in practice or, or, or not supposed to be taken. And there was way too many floaters, runners, things like that as opposed to taking, they were forcing things that didn't necessarily come in the flow of the offense. But, you know, it ended up under 10 seconds to go, tie game, and, uh, and a shot to win it, or a, a possession to win it. And they ran a, ran a play, defended well. And I will say this, Western Carolina had scouted middle really, really well and knew their personnel, knew their tendencies and weaknesses. And just like, you know, most good teams are good uh, – Scouting wise, uh, you have to have to really say Western Carolina was. Now you've got a non D one. You've got Milligan coming in Saturday, and then a really tasty matchup next Tuesday night with uh, 
uh, UAB coming in. Mm-hmm. This will be the first of, first of a three-game non-conference series between Middle and UAB. They'll play a game in Murfreesboro, one in Birmingham, and one in Huntsville. And uh, so uh, that will be the uh, the appetizer for the trip to uh, the Bahamas on Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, when you look at this non-conference schedule for, for Nick McDevitt's ball club, uh, there are not power five names that are just leaping out at you everywhere. But, man, you have got some of the very best uh, – mid-majors and uh in, in the entire country because later on you've got a trip to st mary's you you're going to play murray you're going to play belmont uh i mean it, it's a i mean it is a really who's who mid-major schedule this year yeah and you know nick <laughs> devitt when he spoke with us he told us it's you know this this is a schedule that we're going to take some lumps, and they took one last night against Western Carolina. Um, but you know, and that's AK not, coming in here. But that's next not Tuesday. much of a lump. I mean, really, yeah. when you think of it, you you go, wow, hey, we're, Middle Tennessee State right now is competing at a level that they should be competing at. And, and you take the fact that Cameron Weston was out. You take the fact that Western's coming off probably the biggest win in program history. I, it's it's impressive that they have been able to not only schedule this well, but compete this well to this point. I'm yeah, the, excited to see what, what, what the men do the rest of the way. I really am. Yeah, it, I think both, it's going to be a good winner uh, inside the glass house, both men and women. And, you know, the men's, uh, the, the, the men's schedule is, is, is really challenging. Uh, I, I think you all know Joe Sullivan. He has got his really you, – you guys need to have him on. Uh, former Boston Globe sports editor now has a, a, a blog, uh, Nashville Hoops, NashvilleHoops.blog. He's uh, he's he's got a really he's got a really nice uh, he, he's been coming and he called the schedule masochistic, but uh, but he, uh, he he's a fun guy to talk to and and uh, and has well and he, and he kind of in a tongue in cheek called it masochistic, but he uh, but he's been uh, he's been fun to get to know and talk to. Well, had you been watching the show more often, you probably would have known him a little bit better. <laughs> well, there you go. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll he, open he, mouth he, insert he, foot there. He, no, was, he, was, uh, he was on just before the season and talked, talked about it. I mean, he, he said the same exact thing. Man, I mean, he didn't say I, masochistic, yeah, unfortunately, but, but he did. I don't know what, what Nick McDevitt was thinking is what he said. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you asked him who makes the schedule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, um, on the other side, Chip, a intriguing Sunday afternoon for the Lady Raiders. Yeah. Again, uh, it goes back. We what, exactly what we've been talking about on the men's side. Great scheduling uh, against against really good teams. Uh, obviously, the the highlight uh, on the you know for the fans is coming up in a next week or next couple of weeks uh, in the first week of December down in Huntsville against Tennessee. But Princeton is uh, one of those just like middle that is, you know, beating on the door year in and year out. Um, And I'm telling you, if you think that a team out of the Ivy league is going to come in and play like a bunch of folks that spend their Sunday afternoon in the library, uh, nay, nay. Because they had one of the, they have a, a lady named Ellie Mitchell, 
who, I mean, she is tougher than wet leather. She was, uh, she was all conference or all, all state, uh, in basketball and lacrosse in high school. So, I mean, when you play that sport where you're swinging sticks at each other, I mean, she's, uh, she was tough as nails, made a huge difference in the game and, uh, really entertaining game again, middle, uh, you know, saw the lead get away and then chased them back down again, but couldn't get the, the shot when they needed it with under a minute to play, but very well played game. Uh, you know, on top of that, middle has a, you know, a couple of really good quality wins. So both teams are two and one middle beat Memphis, you know, handily. And I thought it was interesting last night that Memphis went to Knoxville and that ball game went to overtime. So, uh, I think the matchup of Middle and Tennessee, uh, December 6th down at Probst Arena in Huntsville is going to be really interesting. And for uh, just a, a note, if you're a season ticket holder at Middle, uh, that game is in your season ticket package. But uh, single, tick, single game tickets and plenty of them are available for if you're a women's college basketball fan, especially down in southern Middle Tennessee, North Alabama. That's going to be a great uh, ticket right there. And it's not a bad drive, even from not No, it's not. Not hard at all. Yeah. So. And a little preview and kind of get your. Bucky's is on the way, and you can uh, kind of go down and and kind of get your uh, get your bearings ready for the conference tournament coming up in March. A little right. recon. A little recon. There you go. That's right. It's, it's perfect. But uh, right. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting winter. I'm I'm excited, man. Basketball season at the Glass House is going to be fun. I can't yeah. wait to get over there a couple of times and looking forward to it. Hopefully, would love to get over there next next Tuesday. I would love to get over there next Tuesday, but, but high school basketball calls, yeah. unfortunately. Unfortunately, we have. Be sure and tell AK we said hey. Yeah, or don't. I'll, oh, I'll do that. <laughs> but uh, Chip, as always, we appreciate it. Look forward to next week and uh, ahead of. Ahead of. That's right. We'll be talking. Yeah, we'll talk that afternoon uh, leading up to that. And until then, happy Blue Vest Day to you, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break when we come back. College football playoff discussion, not only rankings, but also a discussion on what the playoff will look like starting in 2024 going forward. So stick around. Main Street Sports State, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond Joints, back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. We're back here on Main Street Sports today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, Chris Yao, Mo Patton. It is Top 5 Tuesday. In just a few minutes, we'll get to our top five worst contracts in sports history. But first, college football playoffs. But before that, need to do a little correction from the rundown. The Preds are not on Bally tonight. The Preds are on ESPN Plus slash Hulu. Ooh. Yeah. Because so Hulu has a lot of sports. <laughs> yeah. That is the commercial anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can watch, and it will be Willie Donick and Max Hers, both. Hmm. Different Max. So that'll be interesting. Timbo Primetime Max. Yeah. So okay. the, they'll be on the national broadcast on ESPN Plus slash Hulu. So there you go. College football playoff rankings come out tonight. Don't expect much change, but should be some interesting Scenarios. I don't think there'll be much change where it matters. Right, right. Yeah. I don't think the top eight are going to change much at all. Um, but let's talk a little bit about next year going forward because there are ongoing and now seemingly growing discussions of a move to change the format of the college football playoff starting next year. It was going to change, I think, in 2025 but they are trying to make the move to the um, five auto bid, seven at-large bid format, which would be the Power Four conferences plus plus one G5 and seven auto bids. The way it's currently constructed, there would technically be two G5 auto bids. Because it just says the top five 
are the top six conference champions. Hmm. And the rules state that you have to have at least eight teams in a conference to qualify. be to qualify for an AQ. So the Oregon State Washington State Pac two winner would not get an AQ. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it really kind of is. Washington <laughs> unfortunate for Captain Chaos, which would you know, because you know, eight and four Oregon getting a auto bid would Oregon State. I mean, would be hilarious. <laughs> but. But anyway, yeah, the, the way the wording currently sits is that the top six ranked conference champions would earn automatic bids and then six at larges. And then, you know, at that point, you're talking about, you know, potentially two G5s, actually, absolutely two G5s mm-hmm. getting in. And well, we can't have that. <laughs> we just, are you kidding me? We gave them enough as it is. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like the joke from uh, D.L. Hughley on, Amer- on Regional Kings of Comedy. He's talking about he, he has black friends, and like when you get to so many at the door, hey, 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 that's enough, that's enough. You know, he's like, hey, you counting them or something? What are you doing? But they are. That's exactly what they're doing. They're counting them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's too many. We cannot have more than one. We have given you enough. Take your Pennies and leave us. Yep. True. Anyway. Yep. But it's likely going to happen. Because again, and, and, and I, I made this argument yesterday, it's the spirit of the rule. It's the spirit of the agreement. Mm-hmm. Yes, by the letter. Do we really want the college football playoff or NCAA in any capacity going by the letter of any laws? Because... It appears that we don't, considering all the uproar with transfers and waivers. It appears that we would rather have the spirit than the the letter. letter. And you can't pick and choose (laughs) when you get to go by the spirit or the letter. So I fully expect 5-7. Makes sense. And I'm okay with that. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is that the top four, the power four, are going to get automatic. The four conference champions or the power conferences are going to get automatic buys. Mm-hmm. And the G5 is going to be stuck at 9, 10, 11, 12 and have to travel to an at-large team. And I don't like that. And I've, I mean, I'm clear with my, and have been clear with my position on that, that they should get an automatic home game. Even if they have to be the eighth seed, that's fine. They should get a home game. Yeah, I, I think that should be written in there that, that the G5, the top G5 team should come in at no worse than eight. I agree with that. Yeah. That, that's, I think that that is a compromise. That, because it ensures them of a home game, like you said. Here's the problem that the college football playoff has. In order to change the rules, the vote has to be unanimous. Mm. Good luck with that. So the group of five conferences do have some negotiating power. (laughs) And I think that's what I would negotiate. (laughs) You want our vote on XYZ? 
then you need to hook us up right here. And, and, and I, think, I think it's a fair compromise. Mm-hmm. I think it rewards the, the regular season for those teams. And it doesn't reward, you know, I won't, I don't, mm-hmm. I won't say mediocrity, but it doesn't reward a team who didn't win its conference. Who, who doesn't necessarily deserve a re- reward. Right. You didn't win your conference. Yeah, so, so pack up. Yeah. And, and so I like the idea. I think it's the best idea. And hopefully, hopefully some group of five member has also thought of that. If not, I'll not text Greg Sites and say, hey, tell Conference USA representative, whoever mm-hmm. it may be, that this is the negotiation tool. <laughs> and I think it, I, I don't know who would, I don't know how many people would disagree with it. I don't think anybody should, but there's always somebody. Well, we're going to, you know, we got to see Tulane or whatever. Well, Tulane beat USC's butt last year, so. Yep. And how many times have we seen Boise? And, you know, it's not like group of five conference champions have been completely inept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, maybe not with the top four teams, but in New Year's Six, they've been pretty good. Meanwhile, Jerry Palm of CBS Sports is anticipating Ohio State, I mean, Georgia jumping Ohio State tonight. Based on what? Uh, uh, The win win over Ole Miss, I guess. I guess that's a... And and not just a win, but in dominating fashion. Mm -hmm. And he's also anticipating... um, Washington jumping Florida State into the top four. So he's got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, and who's he got at six here? Oregon. That's Um, what Jerry Palm has. What do you think? I mean, do you think anything changes? I I don't know that anything changes. It... I mean, I don't know that Ohio State did anything to warrant them being jumped. I don't know that Florida State did anything to warrant them being jumped. So. And I I don't think Washington moves until they play Oregon. I mean, at this point. Here's an interesting... Or... until Ohio State and Michigan play. Yeah, here's an interesting comparison. Oregon, strength of schedule, 63, Texas, 10. Strength of record, Oregon, 10, Texas, 5. Wins over college football playoff ranked opponents, 1 for Oregon, 3 for Texas, including Alabama. But their rankings, of course. What are they, 6 and 7? Oregon, 6, Texas, 7, make it make sense. That's an interesting, I mean, that's a comparison. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to think about. Well, and again, Washington and Oregon have not played, right? Yes, they have. Washington Washington. won at home by three on a missed field goal. Uh, Oregon missed a field goal that would have sent it to overtime. But they're probably going to play again for the conference championship. They're almost certainly going to play again for the 
for the championship, yes. But here's the thing. If Oregon wins that game... Then you've got a, you've got a dilemma. The, the pack... Might get left out. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Yeah. We talked about the one losses because the one losses can really screw you up when you have that many. You're talking about one loss Texas, Big 12 champ, one loss Alabama potentially as an SEC champion, which would give Georgia one loss. Florida State would be undefeated. Uh, either George, either Michigan or Ohio State would have one loss. So you've got two undefeated teams and about seven one-loss teams. Then what? Now, Captain Chaos rides to the rescue. I mean, I think you have to look at the strength of record at that point. You know, is Oregon better than Texas? And if they're better than Texas, how do you keep, how do you put Alabama in as an SEC champ when Texas beat them on the road? Would it have to be Ohio State, Florida State, Oregon, and Texas and the SEC champ is just left out to dry? Mm. Here's why you can't do that, and this is the bottom line. <laughs> you can't leave the SEC out if you're a playoff committee because they've been in you can, the well championship game how many times? Right, but on top of everything else, they are a sole entity who is required to pay out all of these dollars and they have to think like TV executives. And the top three TV markets for college football are all in SEC country. <laughs> New Orleans, Atlanta, and Birmingham. Alabama's not getting left out. Which means Oregon is. Because you can't put in Alabama and not put in Texas. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the committee is praying to God that Georgia wins, that Oregon wins, or that Georgia wins. Mm -hmm. But yes, they are praying that Georgia goes undefeated and that Oregon beats Washington because they need a reason to keep the Pac-12 out. Like you said, I don't think anything changes tonight. Maybe it does just for the fun of it. Maybe, you know, maybe they're just going to... Just, just, just for, for people just talking, for talking about it. points. Yeah, yeah, who knows. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, top five, worst contracts, sports history, right after this. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. 
Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in. Time now for Top 5 Tuesday, brought to you by Midtop 5 Fitness. Thalys Steel, fine folks, of course. They are stillathletes.com, at stillathletes on Instagram. Make sure to go visit them. It is Top 5 Worst Contracts in Sports History, and here we go. Google, give me a random number. My internet is slow. What are you typing in? Google random number generator. Seriously, it's, it's, it's exa- exactly what I need. <laughs> Just type in what I need. Gave me three. That's the first number that came up? All right, hit it again. Nine. Now you can change the parameters to one oh, to three. from one to three. Justin, are you there? Coming in, yes, sir. Loud and clear, sir. Good deal. You actually are really clear. Cool. One. All right, Justin, you'll be one. Okay, word. Which means it will also be six. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. I just paid back for earlier. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, JK, give us your number one. Uh, my number one is this is going against Googling, uh, but so it's more personal, I guess. But Antonio Brown Raiders has probably to be a great track. call. <laughs> Whatever the number is, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, That's I should probably good. look that up. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. So I'm number two. Oh man, this is this is a tough one. I'm gonna go with. Dante Culpepper's 10-year, $102 million contract with the Vikings. and mm. Again, probably was a great call at the time. He ends up getting hurt. Mm. They have to trade him, and it ends up being a really terrible contract. Yeah, I, I, I've tried not to penalize guys for getting hurt Well, in my it, list. But. You, you kind of – it ended up being a bad contract. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are all hindsight. I sure. Because obviously at the time they commanded what they got. Depends on your definition of commanded, I guess. But um, okay, so my number one is 
Albert Haynes were seven years, $100 million from the Redskins oh God, across to play 20 games. Yeah, that yeah. was tough. That okay. was no good. That was the no good, very bad. <laughs> Contract, yeah. yeah. And my number two, which after this weekend kind of pales in comparison, but Notre Dame giving Charlie Weiss $19 million to go to the house. It's a good one. Pretty unbelievable. Him being in position to get $19 million to go to the house was pretty unbelievable. That's another story. And yet. Yeah. My number two, mm-hmm. y'all going to make me lose my mind Upton here, Upton here. Melvin, BJ, Upton, five years, $75.25 million. Got more production out of his brother, paid him more money. So I guess we evened out on the brothers, but not great for Melvin and BJ. <laughs> Melvin and BJ? Yeah. They were two separate people. I swear they were. <laughs> JK? I'm going to go with uh, my number two as Jay Cutler, Chicago Bears, seven-year – or $126.7 million bucks over a seven-year period in 2014. Um, Terrible. And he left – and he, he, <laughs> he retired from football two, two years later in 2016. So that didn't work out. You're up again. I am, aren't I? Uh, let's mm-hmm. go. Mm, I'm gonna go. Sorry, uh, D'Angelo Hall at Oakland Raiders again. I just think the Oakland Raiders are really uh, have bad luck with contracts. I don't know why. Especially, I mean, not Oakland and Las Vegas. They signed some bad ones. Uh, he had a seven-year contract. With the uh, Raiders, only played eight games with the team. When he was making a million bucks per game that he did not play. <laughs> yeah. Give me Horace Grant. Five years, $50 million in 1997, which made him the second highest paid player in the National Basketball Association behind Michael Jordan. Horace Grant was the second highest paid basketball player in the world. Behind Michael Jordan. For the Orlando Magics. And you get an S for doing some stupid S like that. <laughs> Magics. All right. Um, staying in the association, Gilbert Arenas' final contract was six years for $111 million. He... Um, I don't think he got out of the first season before he brought the firearms into the arena there and the rest, as they say, is history. All right. My turn again. Your turn again. Kevin Brown of the Dodgers signed a seven-year, $105 million contract. This is pitcher Kevin Brown. Nobody had ever, give, ever given a pitcher seven years, and Kevin Brown proved why. There you go. Yeah. Give me Brock Osweiler. Four years, 72 with 37 very million guaranteed. That's very good one. Right? No, That's that was great. Uh, the Texans gave him that deal after his deal in Denver. 
He got a big he did, deal. He did well in Denver for a year and then got a deal with the Texans. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, JK, four and five? Four and five. I'm going to go uh, Andre Johnson for the Tennessee Titans. That two-year deal, $3.7 million, just because he beat up Cortland Finnegan, and I don't like him for that. <laughs> Same. Uh, and then my um, next one is going to be Alex Rodriguez for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um. $448 million is too much for anybody. For anybody. Um, I'm going to stay in the Big Apple and on the ice. The Islanders gave Rick DiPietro. I hate you. 15, this is a number five, and you just took it right out of my mouth. 15 years, 67.5 mil for a goalie. And here's the worst part. You picked out a turn. It's I was like next. Goalie. Oh, my goodness. My bad. Ooh. I should be penalized. <laughs> And you took my pick on top of it all. I jumped oh, robbery. <laughs> Give me Phil Jackson five for sixty million as the Knicks director of basketball ops because he killed the he killed the entire franchise because then he gave out a terrible contract to Joe Kim Noah and it all blew up. It did. All anyway, blow up. we'll see. Sort of like that draft. My bad. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time on Main Street Sports today. Perfect. <laughs>